welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. It's the Christmas season, still in our series, Tis the Season. Tis the season to be generous. You know, Christmas is all about God becoming one with mankind, that the Father gave his only son, that beautiful gift of his own son. He became flesh and blood and dwelt among us and once and for all guarantees that humanity is brought into absolute union with the Father. What a season to be generous. God was generous with this glorious gift. Learn how to be generous. Learn how to build on generosity in your life as a life star. Come on, let's listen to Pastor Zach. Let's get right into this. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for joy. Thank you for just filling our hearts with happiness. I mean, oh my goodness, I'm so grateful for Jesus, aren't you? It's such a good season. It's such a good season. Thanks, guys. That's great. As you know, you guys can take a seat for a minute if you want. We're going to do something a little bit differently today. We're going to, if you heard in the pre-show, it's kind of a, a song service, and those guys are just going to hang out up there, and we're going to intersperse it with a little bit of word today. But uh, it's good to see everybody. Glad you all braved it through, got through the barricades out there. Uh, do you know what? I talked to them. I can assure you it's safe. They said it's all good. But uh, God bless whatever's going on out there. God bless those people. What a, what a terrible thing to happen, but uh, okay, we're, we're carrying on in our Christmas sermon series. We're looking at a tis the season. I don't know if tis. tis the season. <laughs> a little old English theory. You guys look really nice, by the way, too. You guys look great. Yeah. <laughs> I bought myself a sweater for today, but uh, I thought I'd do something different, something other than black and blue and different shade of blue and different shade of black and the occasional gray, but I... Uh, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I was in the store. It was a maroon sweater. It was actually really nice. I was like, man, I could actually do a different color. It looks really nice. It's kind of like what you got on there, Rachel. It looks really nice on me. I thought, I was like, man, this is great. But I couldn't get anybody to come to the, to the dressing room. So I, there I am in the superstore taking my clothes off, like trying to put this shirt on. And uh, I was really self-conscious because I was like, hey, I just exposed myself in the, uh, the top half of me in the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stop. <laughs> Anyways, I was in the superstore, and I put a new sweater on, and I thought it looked great, and I put it on this morning, and Jen's like, nah, you look frumpy. That's way too big. I was kind of like, right? Man, I, I was kind of like, well, thanks for the compliment. The sweater's too big, but... Anyways, uh, back to Christmas. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Last week, we were talking about tis the season to be joyful. And uh, I, I love what Pastor Carl shared last week. Uh, joy is a big deal. It really is. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, you know, that means that I can be strong even when things are a little bit stinky in my life. That means when things are a little bit messy and they're not happening the way I want them to happen, like I bought a sweater and it didn't fit, I can still have the joy of the Lord <laughs> or if I'm actually going through a legitimate life trial. Because happiness, as we've heard Pastor Carl say, happiness depends on your happenings, happenstance, right? The joy of the Lord, that's a quality of God that he infuses into me. And I can have joy all the time. At Christmas, the thing I like about Christmas, this is it, that the angel said, this is the angel speaking to the shepherds. He says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. And I love that. At Christmas time, we got good news. You know, sometimes we think of the good news as Easter, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, but his birth is just as much a part of the good news. The angel said as much, glad tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. God himself joined us, joined us. He, he didn't just come to be with us, he became one of us. How amazing is that? That means that anything in my mind where I have, a, I have distance between God and me, that doesn't exist. 
That's a lie. That means that me and you and all of humanity out there, we can find God in every single person. We can find God for he is with us. He's joined himself to us. How good is that? You never have to live another moment thinking, oh, where's God? How do I get God into my life? The good news of Christmas is God has already moved into your life. As it says in the message, you know, God moved into the neighborhood, but he did a lot more than that. He moved into you and me. Now, the good news is we get to go and tell people not how they can get God to come close to them, but the good news is God has already come close to you. He's already joined himself to you. And that's what the angels were announcing to the shepherds. And that's what we get to announce to everybody as well. Good news, glad tidings of great joy that should be for all people. And if you can get this, not even just for the believers, this is good news for all of humanity. God himself has become one of us. So that was, that's kind of last week. That's the happy good news of Christmas, the gospel of Christmas, according to the angels there. But today we're going to look at real quick that it is the season to be generous. I don't know about you, but you think about Christmas, you think about gifts. I don't know, that too material. I think about gifts. I like gifts. Jesus Christ became incarnate. So for me, he baptized the material world and he said, it's okay for you to like gifts. It's okay for you to like good things. It's okay for you to like things that taste good because God himself joined the, 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 the material world. So anyways, we think about gifts, but what about the gift of God? This is where it all starts from. It all starts from the fact that God did something in giving his son to us. So we're going to talk about generosity as an action. It's an attitude. And finally, it's something we can do all together. But I want you to see this. John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. God so loved the world that he gave. He was moved to do something. His love looked like something, and it looked like giving. Good news for all those people whose love language is gifts. Right? God so loved the world that he gave. He demonstrated his overwhelming generosity when he gave his son. And his son, the perfect image of who God is, he gave his life. Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. I got to remind myself that at Christmas, because for me, it's really easy to sit on the couch with my feet up and let Jen do everything. So I try to talk myself into getting up and at least doing the dishes or something, right? For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For he who was given gave. Isn't that good? Christmas is a season of generosity, but like all New Covenant talks on virtues and attributes and acts, I hope that even as we consider, you know, tis the season to be joyful, tis the season to be generous, I hope you know that all the virtues and the attributes of God that we ever talk about, that comes out of the overflow of God himself living inside of you. So the generous one who gave himself for us, he's the one who lives inside of us. And watch this in Philippians. It says that that same one is at work in us to will and to do his good pleasure. So there, whether you like it or not, there is a generous impulse in your heart. There is a generous impulse on the inside of you. And tapping into that, agreeing with it, finding it, and just letting it resonate through your life in the way that you do things in your life and be generous in your actions, that's actually an overflow of God in your life and in your heart. Because God is at work in you to will and to do his good pleasure. So the question is, what is God working in you to give? Because it's God. It's not a religious work. It's not a, you know, something that we need to kind of prove ourselves to God by look how generous I am. In fact, it even says in 1 Corinthians 13, I believe, that I could give all that I have to the poor. I could even give my body to be burned. And if I don't do it in love, it counts as nothing. So we're not just talking about just doing stuff and just giving stuff. We're talking about a generosity that's the overflow of God inside of us. God is at work in me to give. And why do we give? Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's partnering with the very nature of God. But here's the selfish thing in it, if you can believe it, that there's actually prosperity for us in giving. 
God in his infinite wisdom and the awesomeness of who he is, he says, when you tap into that generosity that I've placed inside of you and you start to flow in it, you're going to start to find the blessings start coming back into your life, chasing you down. So there's a, there's a story I want to share real quick with you about an old Hebrew uh, widow. She was the widow of an old Hebrew prophet. And you can find the story in 2 Kings chapter 4. But there's a certain widow, it says, who owed money that she couldn't repay. Well, this is just a little example of how this works. In order to recover her losses, or the losses that the creditor had given her money and she wasn't able to pay it back, so the creditor came and said to her, you know what, in order for me to get back the money that you owe me, I'm going to take your sons. They're going to be able to pay off the, the debt that you owe. And now naturally the, the widow's horrified at this, right? That's awful. Somebody's going to actually take my kids and make them work. That's awful. So she goes to the prophet Elisha and says, Elisha, I need you to help me. I'm going to lose my kids. I'm in debt. I'm desperate. I don't know if anybody feels that way today. Instead of telling the lady, though, that he would cover her debt, or even that he would go and talk to her debtors, or the creditor, and ask him to be merciful and to forgive the dead. Listen to what the prophet says. The prophet says, tell me, what do you have in your house? Isn't that weird? Like, if I was that lady, I'd be like, uh, you're a prophet. You're supposed to know this. Uh, actually, I told you, I've got nothing. And uh, you're telling me to go look in my own house? But what she, all she had, she said, was a little bit of oil. And this little bit of oil, it would have been the oil that her, her deceased husband, who was a prophet, would have had some anointing oil. And what she didn't know that that was no ordinary oil. She had the kind of oil that was symbolic in the Old Testament of, of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, something that we would all have when Jesus opened the door for us for that relationship. So the prophet knew this, and he knew what God could do when somebody trusted themselves and their finances and their prosperity to God. So he says to her, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors, go into the house with your son, shut the door behind you, and pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing her jars, and as she filled one after another, soon every container was full. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. And when she told the man of God what happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left over. Well, isn't that amazing? She had a problem. She had debt. And God's solution was, I'm not just going to pay your debts. I'm going to do something for you that's so much more, so much incredible. You're going to be able to live off of and pursue your dreams with what I'm going to do. So she's like, I have a problem. God, I want you to fix it. And God's like, I'll fix your problem and I'll bless you into whatever is next for your life. So it's a great story that shows the generosity of God. And you know what? She had enough faith. All she had to do was just pour the oil. All she had to do was just step out, find the faith inside of her just to pour the oil into the thingies. And that was it. I think she was probably amazed and surprised just kind of pouring it out and watching it keep coming. Like, where, where, where's that thing, you know? Just watching it pour and pour and pour. But it kept coming. And you know, it's kind of like that with us. God doesn't send a prophet into our lives when we come and talk to him about our finances, but he did send his son. Yeah. And his son said this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And you know, you and I, we don't have, we don't have jars and cups and oil, but we do have, well, I mean, you could. I mean, I might try this later if you're like, Jesus, it's my olive oil. See what happens. But you know what? I do have cups, proverbially, in my life. I have a, a local church that I'm a part of. There's needs of people around me. And I find that when I pour into those cups, it keeps coming. Yeah. 
When I pour out and I engage that act of faith, the blessing of God keeps coming in my life and it keeps coming and it keeps coming and it keeps coming. Now, I don't own like 6,000 acres and I don't own like all this stuff, but I've never needed anything. That's my testimony. I've never been in want. My wife and I have been in some pretty hairy situations and we've seen some pretty crazy stuff. We've seen stuff show up out of nowhere with a big boom. But you know what? The good thing about God's plan for blessing is this. It says in Genesis chapter 6 that there was a famine in the land one time. Do you know what Isaac did? He sowed. He sowed and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. I love this. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. If you wait for the right time, if you wait until you feel like you've got something to give, if you're like, okay, I'm going to wait until I've got enough, I've got enough time, I've got enough money, I've got enough extra, I've got enough energy, now I'm going to give, you're probably never going to find it. There's never a good time, right? Doesn't that say that in Ecclesiastes? It says if you wait for the perfect time, it basically is never going to come. You're never going to sow your crops. You're never going to reap anything. So when you just step out and, and, and step into the generosity of God that is already at work inside of you, you're going to find that the blessings of God, it's like this never-ending cycle that just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. So generosity is an attitude. It, well, it's an attitude, but it's an action first. It's something that we do. It's something that God did. God gave his only begotten son. And the Bible says that if he gave us him, how much more will we not along with him also give us all things? God is a giver. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So today, guys, we got lots of opportunity to engage the action of generosity. And I, I pray that you would here. I pray that you would in your lives. I pray that you would in the, in the lives of the people around you, that you'd find those containers. And uh, we're going to talk about why it's such a beautiful thing to find a container in the house of God in a little bit. But today we've got opportunities. If you're in the house, you can give at the back there. Uh, online, you can do uh, EFTs. Is that what it's called? E-transfer more common lingo. You can send it to the uh, email address giving at impactlondon.ca. Use the password giving, but lots of ways to get involved and let the impulse of God for generosity overflow into your life into actual giving. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You know what, guys? The story that God has done, it's not over. Honestly, I'm sitting there, I'm just thinking, it's being impressed upon me. You know, the story, this, this amazing story of love, it's still being worked out in our lives, eh? God is present in our lives and he's still working it out. I don't know, I just, I just feel like Christmas time. You know what, sometimes it can be a, a tricky time for some people, sometimes Christmas can be a little bit awkward. Maybe you're away from family, maybe there's, there's just different circumstances this year than there normally is. And I mean, we had one of those last year too, right? But uh, well, you know what, God's still involved in our lives, right? He's still writing a story. He's still writing a story in us and through us and he's still with us in a very powerful, very present way. And I think a lot of us are going to be surprised this Christmas. Let me encourage you at Christmas time. Just think upon the fact that God himself has moved into your life in a big, big way. Think about, encourage, encourage yourself with the knowledge that God himself lives on the inside of you. He has joined himself to you. And this same one that writing, has written a story is still writing a story in and through your life this Christmas, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like. I'm telling you, somebody's got a negative expectation, turn it around to tell you God's invading your circumstances right now. God's invading your world. Somebody's feeling dread and loneliness. I'm telling you, the presence of God is going to surprise you in your heart this Christmas. The presence of Jesus, the one who loves us, the one who gave it all away. He literally walked away from, you know, the glories of heaven in order to join himself with us. How amazing is that? It's just absolutely incredible. And he's a friend to the friendless. He's a father to the fatherless. 
I think he's got a special place in his heart for people feeling lonely. He really does. But that's the king. That's the king of kings who's, who's just so generous and so loving that he's willing to get involved in my life. I'm so happy for him. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to know him. I'm so glad that I can tell people, come and see what he has done. Come and see what he's done in my life. He saved me. Like, literally, he saved me. I needed to be saved. I was a messed up dude. And Jesus came into my life and changed me. He took me from being a selfish person who was just really concerned about myself and what's next for me. And he's made me somebody who actually cares about other people. Like, for real. He's taken me from being depressed and scared about what tomorrow is going to look like to being somebody who's full of joy. I, I, I can't believe I get so... Honestly, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Lord, you're here. You're here. You're with me. God is with me. He loves me. I wake up in his presence. I live in his presence. God has brought a transformation into my life. And I can say to people, come and see what God has done. Isn't that good? All right, so we're going to look at generosity as an attitude. It's an action, but it's also an attitude. And you know what? It's an attitude that kind of describes how we, uh, how, how we do our act of giving. So in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 here, it says, Let each of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, or other words, by compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. Isn't that cool? And you know what? You might think, you know, I, I, I barely got enough to get by on my own. How am I going to be generous? How am I going to start trying to look out for the needs of other people? I, I can barely make it on my own here. This is a scary prospect giving. And you know what? It might be to start off with, but there's something about flowing in the generosity of God that even, even just start with a little. I don't even know. Like, I don't, find a couple extra bucks and give it and see how good you feel. <laughs> You know, it's, some, it's a process that God is, has, has uh, established. When you give, he gives back to you and it pours into your life. And it's kind of like an addictive high. It's kind of like a buzz in, in, in a weird sense. It's, it's meant to bring cheer and joy and happiness in your life, not, not stinginess and, and, and fear. So I'm telling you, if you just kind of step out, take those first steps, start pouring the, the oil into the bucket, start, start looking at the needs of the people around you and finding ways to meet them. And I'm telling you, this cheerfulness and this happiness and giving, you're going to start to find it exploding in your life. You're going to start doing it joyfully, cheerfully. You're not going to think, oh, stink, but I really need that. You're actually going to be happy to give it away. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. There's a generous attitude that steps out, eager and willing, ready to help in any way. Uh, Paul said this about the Galatians. He said, I bear witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. He's like, man, you guys are so willing and so just willing to jump in and do whatever you could for me. I, I can't believe it. I had a problem with my eyes and you were willing to literally rip your eyes out and give to me a little bit of hyperbole. But he's saying, you know what? You guys weren't willing to hold nothing back. That's a great attitude. It really is. A willing cheerfulness to get involved, not kind of a protectionist thing. You know, it says in Proverbs 11, verse uh, 24, it says, there's one who, who gives freely but gains even more, and there's one who withholds what is justly due, but it results only in want. And that's not a, a scripture to kind of beat you up with. That's a scripture to kind of help you know, sometimes if I push past and I think, you know what, man, if I hold on to this, I'm going to be in trouble. But it's actually the other way. When you release it into the hands of God and you give it out, he's going to bring it back into your life. So there's a generous attitude that causes you to actually do the giving. You can, again, you can see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, I'm giving you this advice. It's to, your it's to your advantage, not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must also complete the doing of it. 
There was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion of what you have. So generous attitude will actually move you into the realm of doing, right? I think that's pretty established. But I want to share something else with you about a generous attitude. And this I find absolutely amazing. This is, this is something that I see in Jesus, and it's something that I find myself constantly being challenged with. But if you see in John chapter 3, 16 and 17, remember God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. Well, look at the attitude that he had behind his giving. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. But get this, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In other words, he had a generous attitude that extended beyond just the giving of his son, but he gave his son for us because he looked at us at our worst and still saw us as worth dying for. Isn't that amazing? It's not like we collectively had something awesome to offer God. And I don't know about you, but I've been in some pretty low spots in my life where, you know, I, I didn't really have much going on and nothing to offer. But God looked at me at my worst, at my worst. He looked at humanity at our worst and said, you are worth dying for. And that's why he gave his son, not to bring Jesus into the world and tell us how bad we were, not to condemn us for being in a bad spot. We know we are in a bad spot. And you know, most people who don't know that, they probably deep down do. But listen to this. This is from Brene Brown, just because uh, I always like to bring her in when I can. Because, Yeah, I got some people who love Brene Brown. But she talks about a type of generosity that's kind of an attitude, but it extends this way. It's, it's when you extend the most generous interpretation possible to the intentions, words, and actions of others. And this is a part I, I kind of constantly feel challenged with. But th that's a different kind of way to live, right? When you, and, and it works on this. There's an assumption of positive intent. And it relies on the core belief that the people around you are doing the very best they can with what they've got versus this kind of accusation that says people around me are lazy, disengaged, and probably doing what they're doing to try and tick me off. Honestly, my life changed. Uh, my marriage actually changed quite significantly one time when I... Uh, Jen was doing something, and she was emoting in some way. And uh, Jen's a feeler. I'm a thinker. She was, she was having this feeling experience, which I guess people have. But uh, <laughs> it actually dawned on me. Actually, I felt like the Lord actually showed me. She's not trying to ruin your life. This is a legitimate expression of humanity. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> And I went from thinking, this person who's feeling all this stuff all the time and getting up in her feelings and asking me what, how I'm feeling and all that kind of icky stuff, uh, she's actually not trying to mess with me. She's actually legitimately feeling something, and, and, and a good thing for me to do would be to pay attention to that. And it actually changed things for us, as you can imagine. Wow, eh? Revelation of revelation. But this is the type of generosity where you deliberately on purpose... No matter how much it hurts and no matter how much you've been hurt in the past, you decide that you're going to be generous with the way you interpret the actions and intentions of the people around you. If you assume that they're doing the best, here's the upside to that. That doesn't necessarily mean you've got to put up with people, you know, hurting you and doing that kind of thing to you all the time. But if you assume the best of people and you assume that they're doing the best with what they have rather than trying to hurt you, it actually lets you stay in this place where you can love them and not shame them and blame them. It puts you in a spot where you can actually talk to somebody, because who needs boundaries? Sometimes Christmas is a hard time for boundaries, right? But, you know, when you're able to, to give people a generous interpretation of what they're doing, you can put boundaries around behavior and not people. 
You can address things in the world that are hurting you without saying, you know, you're a nasty person. You're doing this because you don't like me. You're able to actually have an adult conversation and say that action, that attitude is harmful. But I know you're doing your best. I know you're doing the best you can. And honestly, I think that's what Jesus did. You know, I was, I was having this time not so long ago, earlier in the year, and I, I was pretty annoyed at COVID, believe it or not. I was, I was pretty annoyed at, at what I was seeing in the world and, and the response to it and how it was being dealt with. And I mean, this is just a, my own personal subjective experience. You can have your own. But I really thought I, I heard the Lord say to me, Zach, you know what? They're doing their best. They're doing their best. And, and I wasn't any less mad. In fact, I was kind of like, wow, Lord, you know all things. You should know better. I don't know if that's actually what's happening. But I was quickly reminded of Jesus. Jesus is on the cross, right? He's being, he's having nails nailed into his body. I mean, he is being executed by professional executioners. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Isn't that amazing? Of course they knew what they were doing. They killed people for a living. The people who handed him over to the Romans, it was part of an elaborately thought through plan. But you know what it says in 1 Corinthians 13 again? It says that love, although it rejoices in the truth, it says love believes all things, bears all things, and hopes all things. So I can believe the best in you, even if the facts say something totally different. That here's a higher truth. Here's a higher truth. It's better to love than it is to be right. It's better to be wronged than it is to push back. Didn't Jesus say, you know, turn the other cheek? He said, if somebody takes your coat, give them your sweater too or whatever. Sometimes there's just a generous attitude that says, you know what, I live in a fallen world with imperfect people. Sometimes I'm going to get hurt and I'm going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And that's just a much better way to live. So generosity, it's an attitude. It's an attitude that propels our, our giving, our actual actions of giving. But I'd encourage you this Christmas, just think of Jesus. Think of Jesus who said, to, you know, Father, forgive them. They don't really know what they're doing. And ultimately, I think if everybody really knew what was in their own best interests and knew the heart of God in any and every circumstance, we wouldn't do half of the hurtful things that we do, if not all of it. But we can be generous with our interpretations of it with other people, right? We can give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And if there's something going on in your world that needs to be talked about, talk about it. But do it from the perspective of you're loved, you're doing the best you can, and God says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Amen? Guys, have a seat one more time. This is the good stuff. This is where we talk about generosity as something that we all do together. And I'm pretty excited about that. This is something that, uh, it means I get to be a part of something bigger than myself. It means we get to do something together that arguably a lot of us on our own couldn't do. But this is where the, the beauty of being part of the church comes in. This is, this is what it means to be part of the body of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're his body on the earth and we get to do stuff together and make a difference in a way together that we never could uh, on our own, or at least most of us, right? So it, it's the beautiful thing about filling up our jars, if you will, in the local church. It's a beautiful thing about being able to look around to other people and say, you know what, you and I, whether you know it, we're part of something together, we're one in the spirit, but we're doing something together too. And generosity is one of those ways that we not only partner with God, but we partner with each other to get stuff done. So there's a really cool example of this in the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And uh, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, and he says, Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches of Macedonia. Fierce troubles came down on these people, 
pushing them to the very limit. They went through a trial that exposed their true colors. Because that's what trials do, right? They don't make you something, they reveal something. They were incredibly happy, though they were desperately poor. And the pressure that they were experiencing or triggered something totally unexpected. An outpouring of pure and generous gifts. Isn't that amazing? God lives in them in such a way, and God lives in you and I, that when you squeeze, when you get squeezed with the pressures of life, do you know what pops out? Jesus. When life squeezes me and pressures me, I know that the goodness of God on the inside of me is what comes out of me. And here's a testimony of a church that went through that. And he goes, I was there. I saw it for myself. These guys, they went through this pressure. They went through an incredible uh, ordeal, but they gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could even afford. Get this, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. These guys were super poor themselves, and they're like, please give me the opportunity to give. Talk about an attitude, eh? Now, this, is, this was totally uh, spontaneous, he said. It was entirely their idea. It caught us completely off guard. And what explains it was that they'd first given themselves unreservedly to God and then to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. There's God working in our lives to make us generous people. And that's what prompted us to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention. And he says, you know, you guys are so awesome at so many things. Excel in this grace as well. Excel in the grace of giving. So there's a poor group of Christians in Macedonia. Uh, They were able to provide for churches in need because they decided, you know what, I'm going to partner with the generosity of God and I'm going to do so because he's generous, not because I have a lot. And they were able to make a big difference. So Paul goes on to tell the Corinthian church, he says, you know, I'm, I'm not telling you this stuff in order to get you to do something against your will. But by bringing in their enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love, I'm hoping to bring the best out of you. And that's what Christmas can do for us too, right? There's something amazing about the season that just kind of gives us opportunity, when we, particularly when we on purpose celebrate the gift of God to us. It's not to pressure us into doing anything or to be part of something. It's to bring the best of what God's already put on the inside of us, out of us. He says, you're familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it away for us. And in one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. So he says, I'm telling this story to you, not to beat you over the head, not to try to get money out of your pockets, but to inspire you and to bring the best out of you. God gave and we can give as well. And here's the cool thing about being part of a church. I know I, myself, my wife and I, uh, we can't personally uh, do some of this stuff. We can't personally, I, I can't get 140 Christmas hampers for people in need in this community. I can't do that. I can't do the 100 plus, you know, gifts for Parkwood. I can't, I can't do that. I can't partner with a local food bank in a a particularly meaningful way or local schools. I can't put smart boards in classes. I can't put uniforms on kids. I can't build roofs on churches in Jamaica and send chairs to churches in Barbados. That's not something that I personally have the means to do on my own. I can't build windows in vandalized First Nations churches. I can't help in construction projects of local churches. I can't be on the streets every day in the city of London helping the the homeless people in our city. I, I can't do that. But when I'm a part of a church, And when I partner my generosity with God and with you guys, together, we can do all of that. And the amazing thing is together we do. We are. We're a generous people. We're a generous church because God has blessed us and we have a revelation of Jesus Christ, the gift of God to us. So I'd encourage you, just continue to be generous. Continue to look for the opportunities to be generous with what we have. And remember, this is something that we can do together in a way that is so much more magnified than what any of us can do on our own. And let's be generous with the message. 
We've got the best news of all. If you think in Jesus are all the promises of God, they're all yes and amen in him. And there's people in my life, I know I, I feel challenged, there's people in my life that need to hear about Jesus. And what they need to hear is not, hey, let me tell you how to close the gap between you and him. Let me tell you how to get closer to God. The message I have is God's closed the gap. God has actually moved into your life and into your world. The question is not, will you accept him? The question is, he's accepted you. Will you believe it? Amen? So we can be generous with our stuff. We can be generous with the message this Christmas season. Amen. Thank you.